Hi, this is Christine Esposito from Terracom, a 29-year-old environmental communications firm. You're listening to WCGO Radio, 1590 and 95.9, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. If you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. I'm not saying don't put them outside, but if you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. I didn't have room inside, so I put them outside, and the squirrels ate them, one by one. They only ate half of each one begun. They're no good to me now, and they no longer hold attraction to the squirrels. The squirrels come back for the ones untouched, because I put them outside, and the squirrels are eating them. They'll soon be gone, and the squirrels will be fat. I knew that when I put them outside. I knew the squirrels would eat them. I knew that if you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find Good planets are in the main This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts Every tree needs a champion Go to Bartlett.com Jet streams, perfect air And here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova Good planets are in the main Oh yeah, it says I'm on. Okay, we're uh, we're we're having the squirrel a- ate it. Yeah, it it, it it and look at we got phone calls pouring in. No, we've got phone calls. I don't. I'm not. We, sh- I, we, I, we have I, guests waiting. I bet we have our guests online there because we're going to talk about how the squirrels eat your uh, your tomatoes today. A giant That's Pac-Man. Why. And, and I have to give a tribute shout out to a listener who sent in that audio. That we used at the top of the show. Here's the problem. It's in the midst of time. That that thing is a number of years old. I I do not remember who sent it in. So if you're still listening to the show and you're listening this morning, you're welcome to write to us and say, hey, I did that piece. Because <laughs> I don't remember who did it. But I love that piece because it's so true. Especially in your neighborhood, though, it's the chipmunks. The will, chipmunks will the, get them. The chipmunks will eat them. Uh, in my neck of the woods, though... It was the, it, the rodents will the, eat them. It, well, it was either a squirrel yeah. or an rat. A rodent, uh, uh, and uh, and so I guess we have to shut down my backyard because it's a menace to the neighborhood, right? Because I'm growing tomatoes. Well, don't uh, go there. We're not going to go. go we're not going to go down there. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's, it's just a local issue here about a community garden that got shut down because of a rat complaint and. If you if you grow stuff, folks, if no, if you live in the city, there are rats. I'm sorry, there are. That's just the way the city is. Get used to it. 
So you complain about rats and in the city. And a lot of the suburbs are that way, too. It's just part of the the urban ecosphere. Exactly. And so they things come, and, and it's not rats, just rats. It's chipmunks. It's squirrels. It's critters. That raccoons. Come, raccoons. Possums. possums. I in the Rabbits. in the middle of the city on a third floor on a snowy night one day I opened the back door to take the garbage <laughs> out and there was a possum just hissing at me and like okay dude take it easy I'm just taking the garbage out all right I'm, and it's going to be in the can I'm going to put the lid on it so you're not going to be able to get it so you might as well go back down the stairs uh, welcome to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki yeah it's midsummer and we need to talk about stuff that well your vegetable garden. And how things are going. I guess we could throw in flowers, too, if, if you've got those things you want to talk about as well. But today, uh, we have some uh, friends of the show who have returned so that we can talk about problems. And let me give you a heads up right now. 877-711-5611 is our telephone number if you want to call in. We'd love to have you call in and uh, and ask a question about what's going on in your garden my observation, and I'm not, and I've seen people who have had better luck than I have this year. My observation, however, is that it's not a good tomato year, at least not around here. All right, and you have kind of the same situation, don't you, Peggy? Mm-hmm. Although I know people who have huge crops Although of tomatoes I, this year. Really? Yeah. I hate those people. <laughs> all right, they're not welcome. <laughs> They're not welcome at my house. Of, of course, their yards are completely covered in netting and ever. I don't know something. Uh, I don't, something. I, no, I it's don't. Probably just oh, the right well, amount not, of sun and the right amount of everything. Yeah, I, I'm not even talking about the seven tomatoes I lost to critters this week. I'm talking about Mm-mm. I got plants in general that are just eh, yeah, and they're not doing well. Uh, but well, all, that, all right, well, all that's that heat. That's why we have Dan Gibbs on the show this morning. He is the backyard farmer. That's why we have Joey and Holly Baird, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. They're both, uh, all three, actually, on at the same time. So we're going to have lots of great advice about growing things in your backyard today. Uh, so uh, you should give us a call. Like I said, 877-711-5611. You can also reach us on The Mike Novak Show, N-O-W-A-K, on Facebook. You can go to Twitter, at Mike Now. You can go to Instagram, The Mike Novak Show, as well. Um, I'm not sure what else. What else we want to do? That, that kind of covers it all. I still don't have Internet. Your phone tells me I'm connected. And you mm-hmm. know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to reboot the whole thing. You know uh. how that works. I hate that. All right. Uh, we've got vegetable talk coming up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I'm going to reboot. We'll be right back. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, wants to remove all barriers to your gardening success. How? By providing organic heirloom plants for your kitchen garden, pollinator-friendly natives and annuals, container planting to go. They deliver the plants you put them in. Who does that? Classes for adults and kids, special events, and more. They even have complimentary valet parking on weekends. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, citygrange.com. Learn. Shop. Blossom. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? 
Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We still have that issue a little bit. If I have this too high and then I have my own headset low, I can't, can't hear myself speaking here. That's that's still something we're, 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 we're tweaking here. Uh, I just want to that, – that was a shout-out, that little clip there to uh, Kathleen mm-hmm. uh, who introduced me to these great, great kids. You're going to hear a little more of them on the show today, and I don't think that Mark Zuckerberg is going to block them. Um, it's on YouTube. It's uh, PS Facebook. PS twenty two is this wonderful choir in uh, on Staten Island in New York City. They do some amazing stuff. These kids in the choir, um, and uh, it, you you have to audition for it, and it's very special. And their music director must be absolutely wonderful. I'm not. I don't have all the information in front of me because. The uh, the computer is rebooting, okay, just so I can get online. It's probably updating everything, too, while it's uh, rebooting. Okay. Boy, and it wants to install an update right <laughs> away. Yeah, I better because it just, it's not going to. Well, it ties right into the Midsummer reboot we're about to talk about. That, exactly. And uh, so I just, uh, we're going to play a little bit of PS22. And you go to go to YouTube and just look up PS22. If you just type that into the search uh, bar there you will see or and hear some wonderful stuff the kids are fantastic so uh, I thought I would treat you with that welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Molecki as we said it's midsummer whatever uh, reevaluation I mean this is I, and I was trying to figure out as I was writing my blog yesterday is this midsummer or is this this is not late summer yet it's sort of still midsummer because late summer I think of as September 1st Right. Uh, Dan Gibbs, who is in the studio with us. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Okay. All right. Here's the deal, dude. You should not be here is what I got to tell you. You should not be here because Dan, uh, first of all, he just had a baby. All right. Uh, uh, Everett, right? Correct. Little Everett, uh, who's at home with mommy. um, And while dad's out gallivanting on radio... 
I, I can't believe you came down here because I didn't even know you had had a baby until you wrote back to me this week uh, when I invited you to the show. And Dan, of course, is the backyard farmer. Uh, and by the way, unfortunately, if you go on Facebook and you type in backyard farmer, there's a lot of them across the country. If you if you do it under Chicago backyard mm-hmm. farmer, it'll come on up. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. That's why I couldn't find the okay. the the link. All right. Uh, and speaking of Facebook, really quick for any of our listeners, we are streaming live on Facebook off the Mike Novak show. Oh, right. So if you go into WCGO, you're not getting it right now. It's it's at the Mike Novak show, which you should find on Facebook and uh, and join the party and give us a like while you're there and share. Yes, exactly. Share. Yeah, start a party. Start a watch party right now. Go ahead. So Dan. Uh, not only did you have a baby this week, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, it came on the 7th. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you're in the middle of judging gardens for the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, well, let me try that again. That's there better. you go. That's much better. Uh, so you're a busy guy, and I bet you're doing stuff on your own as well. What's, uh, what's going on in your life? Yeah, so uh, I started off pretty strong with the Sega Awards on Monday. I was able to go to <laughs> I was able to go to two lovely gardens. Ka- Kath- um, Kathleen, if you're listening, he's saying this for your benefit, okay? Because <laughs> Kathleen is the one who keeps track of all the judges who are out there doing awards. And then, uh, you know, on Tuesday, everything with my new son kind of got underway, and so uh, put a little bit of a delay, but we'll we'll get back into the judging this week. Um, aside from that, you know, I have a lot going on with, um, helping people grow gardens in their own backyard. And I also, uh, work full time for an organization called Big Green here in the city of Chicago, which is, um, installing learning gardens in CPS schools and increasing food literacy. So there you go. You're, you're way too busy. You should (laughs) not be here is what I'm telling you. By the way, folks, uh, you can go to Chicago Backyard Gardener, but if they want to go to uh, the website, that is? Uh, www.chicagobackyardfarmer.com. All right. Did I say gardener or farmer? I think I said whatever. Anyway, Chicago Backyard Farmer. All right. So, so Dan's here to talk with us, but also on the phone, we have our buddies, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener and that is how be singular gardener right there's two of them but it's it's so confusing i <laughs> i cannot keep up with it uh we have holly and joey baird hey welcome guys thanks, Hello. thanks for having us how are you all right good now you got to understand they're not in the same place so it's not like calling mom and dad on the speakerphone this morning <laughs> it's more like uh it's calling holly and joey on separate phones else because they're uh, I guess Joe, Joey's out on a business call, and Holly is, uh, I, I think, back at home, but I don't know, and I don't really care. Uh, I just, <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that uh, we we know that uh, when we talk to them, they're not giving visual cues to each other, so I'll have to address them separately. So uh, let's start with you, Holly. All right. Um, what's going on with the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener right now? Well... We, I don't know if you're referring to the garden or us, but... <laughs> um, Either, pick one, pick one. <laughs> well, our our garden is doing okay. I know you guys have just talked about tomatoes. We don't have any tomatoes yet. We had that really wet spring, and I think that contributed to a lot of problems. We have a lot of weeds, and that seems to be the consensus for a lot of people, is there's a lot of weeds just taking over, and I think it's because of the wet spring we had and how much rain we got and how long the rain lasted. So 
that's an issue that we are having. Um, and then also, we don't have any tomato problems or anything like that yet. Hopefully we won't, but it's just that we don't have any tomatoes yet. Well, I, I understand that. I feel, yeah, and, and I feel your pain, uh, and, uh, and folks also need to know, those of you who live south of Chicago, south of Milwaukee, uh, you, you got to understand, Milwaukee's only 90 miles to the north here, but you might as well be in uh, another country it, it, in terms of the weather. Everything comes much later there, and you had, we had a cold, wet spring. You had a really cold, wet spring, didn't you? Yeah, we had a lot of snow, and we have a lot of green tomatoes on the vine. It's just that we don't have any ready, ones that are ready yet. Okay, now uh, I will go to Joey and say that's the uh, the horticulture side. What about the radio side? How are you guys doing? We're doing good on the radio side. We are uh, working towards season four next year for 2020. Uh, we are expanding from four sta- uh, six stations in four markets to 13 stations in nine markets across the country. So uh, we're taking a big leap and uh, going to try to reach more people next year with the same type of format that we have of content that's general to all gardeners, no matter where they're at. It's not specific to uh, Milwaukee, but we have the conversation where it's everybody can learn and uh, uh, address problems that they're facing in their garden. Fantastic. And, of course, folks can go to the WisconsinVegetableGardener.com, and there are videos, there are podcasts, there's uh, all kinds of advice there on growing things. Uh, you can you can get it all, and uh, Holly and Joey do that every week. Uh, you guys shut down though for uh, at the end of what October uh, for the winter. Yes, we shut down in October because uh, we, uh, as much as we would like to go year round, we need a break, and uh, you guys do it year round. Uh, but your, your format is a slightly different with the topics and the conversations that you can have that we are not as easily able to have in November, December, and January. So we regroup and uh, reboot for the following year and, and go from there. You know, Peggy, I, I kind of like the idea of taking a few months off here. Uh, I could use it right <laughs> right about now. Ellie, Andrew, you guys are taking over. <laughs> All right. So uh, Holly mentioned uh, tomatoes, and everybody loves to grow tomatoes. So we might as well start there because that's uh, such a uh, a favorite food. Everybody wants to grow tomatoes. And, and let's go to Dan here in the studio. You heard what Holly had to say. They got lots of green tomatoes. I've had some red ones. Like I said, uh, we were talking out before the show in the lobby and, uh, and, and at the beginning of the show, I lost seven fully mature, red, juicy, beautiful tomatoes. Much anticipated. Uh, to critters. And when, when you're having a slow tomato season that's a tragedy uh and uh i've harvested some but to lose that many beautiful tomatoes in a week in one week uh, in the yard is really hard to take especially when a lot of the plants aren't producing well so what are you seeing in regard to let's start with tomatoes so exactly what you're saying as far as critter issues with tomatoes and some of the best advice i ever got on growing tomatoes in urban Chicago because of the critter issues. I, there are some lovely women that I garden with for the Austin Green Team on the west side, and many of them will exclusively grow green zebras or green flesh variety tomatoes because, for whatever reason, um, the critters don't 
bother them. Hmm. And so this is something that they've been doing for years, heirloom variety, green flesh tomatoes, and they end up getting a decent yield and being able to go home with it. That's interesting. I wonder... If it's something in the aroma of the tomato or the moisture? Or if if the critters, you know, have trained themselves or learned to notice color change, then you never get that from the green zebras. Hmm. So I but I I don't know the answer, but it was good advice and it's it's worked well for me as well. Well, and also human beings don't steal your tomatoes if they're green. All right. That's I, that's and that's what I found doing a community garden. Because we, we had a community garden with no fences uh, and anybody could walk in. And we discovered that tomatoes would disappear off the plants and they weren't critters. Uh, and But the green zebras and other green varieties would stay because people didn't know they were ripe. Yep. And they're tasty and they're really wonderful. So uh, that's, that's really good advice. Uh, Joey, have you discovered anything like that? Uh, we've not uh, had a problem with the, the critters, but yes, we do grow green zebra. We grow, I think it's called green sausage and uh, something green tomato where they mature completely green. So as a gardener, you have to know that these tomatoes are never going to change to color. So you have to mark it in a notebook or in the garden that these ripen when they're totally green. So you're not waiting and waiting and waiting for them to get ripened. They never will. That's interesting that you, you say you don't have critter problems. What do you think uh, – why, why do you think that uh, is uh, the case up in your area? Uh, we've spent a number of years uh, kind of ridding the area of the backyard of critters. We, we surround our garden with a two-foot-high poultry fence, which keeps the rabbits out, uh, somewhat detours the, the chipmunks and the squirrels, and that's – we don't have problem with deer in our area. Mm-hmm. But that's just how we have uh, worked on repelling animals from getting in the garden. Now, you said poultry fence. You mean chicken wire? Chicken wire, yes. Yeah, we find the two, and we leave it up year-round. We do not remove it at the end of the year. We keep that barrier up year-round. And we also make sure the adjacent, or the, the property fence that's around the backyard is completely sealed off the bottom so there's nobody that can sneak underneath the fence. And if there is an animal that comes in, we chase it out. We don't extract it. We chase it out to see where it is coming in at, and then we block that hole off so they don't come back. So you're you're a fan of physical barriers. Often there's there's nothing you can do. You mentioned deer. Uh, a lot of folks uh, live out away from a city, and they have to deal with deer. Even here, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Do you have deer in your neck of the woods? Highland Peg? Park has a lot of deer. The North Shore has a lot. I don't, thankfully, where I live. But yeah. But, but parts of the area have, and sometimes the only thing you can do with deer is you just got to have that fencing. That's that's yeah, pretty much they it. They love tomato plants, so while the other critters will get the low down stuff, the deer are going to graze right at the top. Yeah. Uh, now, what about uh, products, uh, Dan? You mentioned some out in, in the lobby. You got to be careful about the kind of products you put on edibles. That that's totally correct, and I would never even you know think about any type of product that um, you know wasn't clearly labeled non toxic or you know OMRI certified. But um, there is one product, and I don't know who the manufacturer is that I, I have clients that have had great luck with um, when it comes to having critters in their garden, and it's a product called Rabbit Scram, uh, S C R A M 
which you know is available at local hardware stores or probably some of the bigger box uh, stores as well. But if you if you use this this powder product and it is a non toxic product, you know that's suitable in food gardens, and you and you you draw a border around your garden with this product, you'll you'll create you know something that will be a, will be a deterrent to you know rodents that mm-hmm. are coming in your garden and i've i've seen it work and i've had clients that tell me it works well so i have no reason not to believe it and it says it's it's rain resistant won't wa- it won't wash off or dissolve in water for up to 45 days i'm on their website okay yeah and uh, it's you know generally you only need a product like that for a window and if you know, as soon as you notice the damage, you know, if you have a product that you that you know would works, you you don't necessarily need it for the whole garden. You know, animals are going to go for the the you know punny you know low hanging fruit, and if they have to work too Tell hard, me about it. <laughs> if they have to work too hard to get at your garden, they're just not going to do it. They're going to go onto someone else's garden. Uh-huh. Uh huh. you got like uh, thirty seconds here, so um um. Uh, Holly, real quick, I assume you guys don't use any products like that because you're organic, right? Or or use organic techniques. Right, yeah, we don't we don't use anything that's harmful to our plants. Um we do use Bobex, which can be sprayed around mm-hmm. the plants to to detour uh critters and such, and that is very effective, especially with squirrels and um yeah, especially with squirrels that eat a lot of and dig up a lot of your plants. Uh, what was that you said you use? Bobex. It's called Bobbix. Oh, Bob, Bobbix. Okay. All right, great. All right, we got more. Veg- you guys stick around. We're going to bring uh, Holly and Joey back along with Dan. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual green living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. 
I'm Holly Baird. And I'm Joy Baird. We are the hosts of the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener Radio Show at our flagship station out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and a few other places across the country. And we always listen to... The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. If you're not listening in, you're missing out. Uh, they're probably not listening now if they didn't hear us already. Well, they should. Well, here's Mike and Peggy. So what you guys were asking was kind of an existential question there, I think. <laughs> Uh, we've got Holly and Joey Baird, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, on the phone this morning. Dan Gibbs, the backyard farmer, Chicago backyard farmer, is in the studio with us, and we're talking gardening questions, and we've got some, and we will get to them in just a second. Meanwhile, got a minute for your trees? Lightning is among the most fascinating, mysterious, and dangerous phenomena on Earth each year. More than one million trees in the United States are struck by lightning. A lightning strike can immediately kill trees or weaken them so severely that they are attacked and then killed by boring insects or other secondary invaders. And, Peggy, this is where I talk ants, the, the, the innocent mm-hmm. bystanders of the, of the insect world. Everybody blames ants. They say, the ants killed my tree. Uh, no. Well, no. It's usually something else that that invades your tree first, and then the ants take advantage of it. Leave those. They bring po- the picnic, unless they're fire ants, and then yeah, you don't care as much. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, leave the ants alone. Now, lightning not only poses a risk to trees, but to adjacent structures as well. Damage to structures can occur when lightning strikes a tree and then side flashes or jumps to more conducive materials such as downspouts and other metal objects. Bartlett Tree Experts offers lightning protection systems that can minimize the risk of damage from a strike. These systems use copper conductors connected to a ground rod to reduce tree damage and conduct the electrical charge to the earth where the energy is dispersed. Now, Peggy and I saw examples of this at the Bartlett Research Laboratories in North Carolina earlier this year, Pretty mm-hmm. cool demonstrations yeah. that they they did not actually have lightning shoot out. Yeah, they didn't out. call the lightning in. No, no. they didn't. They, uh, they, they brought in <laughs> Thor, and he called in the lightning. No, they did not do that, but it was still a great... Next year they will. Maybe they will. Let the Bartlett tree experts protect your valuable trees from lightning because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Welcome back. We're talking veggies today. Um, uh, we So we've, we've established... Uh, in certain parts of the Midwest, uh, and again, some people tomatoes are rocking and others are not, and you know that's kind of par for the course. But I've noticed personally that it's not been a great tomato year. Dan, you kind of agreed with that, you know. And it's like you're saying it's kind of hit or miss. I've seen some folks with with beautiful plants and a, and uh, you know they're they're harvesting already, and then I've seen you know other areas where it's pretty sparse. So I haven't seen anything uniform at all. Okay. Um, and as we establish, uh, <laughs> with the Wisconsin vegetable gardener, theirs are still green, but mm-hmm. they're in Milwaukee. So yeah. there you go. They're going to write a week or two behind. Um, so we, uh, we also do have another question that came in on Facebook. All right, let's take a question. But this is not a tomato question. No, no, no. I, we, I was going to move on anyway. Okay. So this is coming from Tracy. She said she was hearing us talk about rabbit repellent, but is there something that keeps critters away from corn? This is the second year they completely destroyed every stalk of the corn she'd grown. She was blowing, growing beautiful blue heirloom corn. Mm. Uh, Dan, go ahead. Yeah. So um, that was kind of a running joke that um, we I had with other growers when I was in Plymouth, Wisconsin, is how do you know when your sweet corn's ready? When the raccoons get it. 
and you you know you generally <laughs> you generally get uh, a very short maybe a week long window of harvesting that sweet corn when it's ready to go a real important thing with growing sweet corn for a number of different reasons but knowing your timing and so when that seed grows goes into the ground you need to be familiar enough with your um the variety that you're growing to know when that ear of corn is going to be harvested and know when your window is. When that window comes upon you, you've got to be kind of ready to go with it because you're not the only one watching those ears of corn. And so it's... <laughs> they're, they're getting the butter and the salt ready. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. And so um, just having an awareness of when that corn is ready to harvest so that you're ready to move on it, you know, if there are any types of protections you need to have in place. But, um, you know, stay a step ahead of, you know, your raccoons or your particular critter and, and be aware of when that's got to come out. Uh, but as Snoop Dogg says, what is these animals? Is it mongooses? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you got to be careful of the mongooses in your yard. All right. Well, let's go to Joey then. Uh, have you grown corn and, and what have you done to protect your corn? Uh, we've grown corn. We found it uh, to be very successful in the backyard. Uh, again, we've just keeping the uh, poultry or chicken wire fence up uh, in the urban setting. We haven't had issues back on the farm where I grew up. We had problems with raccoons. Uh, usually about two days before it was ready to go, they would come in and devastate the crop. So we would learn, as Dan was saying, to be proactive instead of reactive and harvest it slightly earlier than what we would have wanted to uh, so we could get a crop. Other people will say, well, just go to the barber shop and get hair and put that around the base of the plant, uh, the stalk. That will scare them off. Raccoons do not care about the smell. <laughs> they, they're so into it. They, uh, they, they'll go as long as there's food and they know there's not a threat, they're going to go after that corn. It doesn't matter what you put on the ground. Uh, and there are some folks that I know, they say Irish spring soap is the, I, I, I can't tell you for how many years. I don't even, do they still make I Irish? Say, do they still make that? Uh, I, I feel like they do. Uh, but I like it too. Uh, and uh, uh, gosh, I remember those commercials. But mm-hmm. uh, so I always say that's the soap on a rope uh, solution for your your plants. So I don't know. Some people swear by it. But as, as so Joe... anybody out there tried it, let us know. Okay. Now let's move on to uh, a problem that uh, I know Joey and Holly, you guys discussed on your show very recently, and that's powdery mildew. Uh, and of course, powdery mildew is a fungus. Uh, it's a film, a white film that appears on the leaves, uh, leaves of plants, um, and uh, doesn't generally kill them. But if you get enough of it, it'll it'll pretty much mess up your your crop for for the year. So you have to. This is another preventive kind of thing. You need to get to it early to to keep it from spreading on the plant, and so you need to be paying attention. So. Um, uh, Holly or Joey, who wants to handle this one? Because you guys had an expert on the show recently, or or you guys talked about. I can, it. Go ahead, Holly. I can handle this one. Okay. Sure. So powdery mildew is yeah, it's a fungus, and it's common because we are moving towards the fall equinox, so we're getting these cooler nights and not enough heat during the night to dry the plants off, and so this forms that mildew. And like you said, you do want to be vigilant when you start to see it. And the best thing typically to do is to take some baking soda and water and dilute it, and there's, you can look up recipes for that online, and spray the plants in that baking soda. It kind of alkal- alkalizes it so that it breaks it up. 
But the reason why the powdery mildew is a problem is because it blocks the sun from the plant to photosynthesize, and then it chokes out the plant from growing. So baking soda diluted in water with a little bit of, um, like, Dr. Bronner's or dish soap will help apply it to the plant, mm-hmm. and then it'll help break it up. Uh, and if you're, and again, if you're getting it early, one of the things you got to remember is be careful. If you're removing leaves that have powdery mildew, you don't want those spores dropping all over the place. Uh, destroy it. Don't put it in your compost pile. Get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, how about you? Have you dealt with this? Absolutely. And I've dealt with it on, on a pretty large scale. And, uh, you know, one of the most important preventative things that you can do when it, it comes to any type of soil-borne fungus is you need to really focus on your rotation, no matter how small your garden spot is or to how large. You know, the plants need to be moving around. and Meaning from year to year. From yes. year to year, yeah. correct. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times you can avoid those soil-borne funguses if, um, if you are practicing a, a good rotation and just getting those plant families into a different location on a year-to-year basis. And another thing that you could do is see what kind of a barrier you can put between the soil and the leaves of the plant so that you don't have the rainwater or irrigation water splanting up, to, or I'm sorry, splashing up onto the plant and, and delivering that fungus onto your plant. Okay, so as uh, we have discovered here, what's important... I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Okay, this is... <laughs> as you can see, I have new drop-ins. <laughs> oh, boy. I got new... He's dro- got new toys. New drop-ins this week, so... <laughs> and uh, and uh, KC says, yes, Irish Spring is still available. It is. Yes. but KC Tomato. But KC, what you didn't tell me... And KC, you need to talk about... Send us a quick note. That's Casey Tomato in Kansas City, Mo. Uh, and uh, you need to tell us about how your tomatoes are doing. And I've got, I, I need, we'll talk to you about the plants you gave us because Casey breeds tomatoes, okay? And he gave, gave us several mm-hmm. varieties. A couple of them are doing great. I've had one so far ripen. Uh, I've had, and I've got one of them. One of the numbered ones. It's not yeah, a sun lucky. The, the one with the 16. Right What's the one me? you gave me? Is it's that the, the 16? 16L dash blah, 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 blah. That is chock full of tomatoes right now, Casey, so you should know that. They're doing great. Uh, we just harvested an orange one from uh, the another number, a 5-L dash 2 dash 7 dash 6 dash 5. Okay. Point three nine eight seven. That's right. Hike. Uh, so uh, let us know what uh, you recommend for uh, uh, tomato issues. And I need to send some photos. By the way, I sent photos to you guys. Did, were you able to get any sense of what that was about? I said uh, a friend of mine has uh, issues with her tomatoes. You're nodding, Dan. Yeah, the the ones that I saw when you had sent them, I mean, they definitely looked like a, a fungal issue, you know, specifically which I I wasn't able to tell from right. the pick, but yeah, those, um, you know, tomatoes that are having a hard time during the course of the growing season are, are so often in such a small group of issues and, and the, the fungus issue is, is generally well, a big Well, what one. I told her was get, take those leaves off and destroy yep. them. 
and see what happens to the rest of the plant. And, and maybe put some mulch down, too, in uh, case it is coming off the soil. It's, it's totally true. And, you know, especially, you know, there's there's a possibility that um, this individual was growing tomatoes in the same spot the, the year before, you know, and so that... that... Well, I, I do happen to know it's in a uh, in at the Peterson Garden Project, mm-hmm. and you get a plot. And I don't know if they give the same plot year after year. It'd probably be wise to mix them up. But then you don't know if the other person planted mm-hmm. tomatoes. So at least you True. know what you have in your own plot. So I don't I don't know how that works. So I right. need to ask her about that. Yeah. Uh, so Mac, if you if you're listening, this is these are your plants. I sent them the photos of. Okay. Uh, we got one more segment. Okay. Here, uh, Holly and Joy, can you handle one more segment? Yes, we can. You guys are great. Yeah, I, for I, sure. All right. I appreciate it. I told them they were going to be out for a segment. Now they're out for the whole hour. That's the way it works. All right. Great. We've got Holly and Joy, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, Dan Gibbs, the uh, Chicago Backyard Farmer. We are talking your gardening issues. Give us a holler if you've got a question. We'll be right back. What happens when you bring together hundreds of people from diverse faiths and walks of life across Illinois and the Midwest with the goal of healing the earth? You get the Green Team Summit, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Faith in Place. This important gathering happens on Saturday, September 14th at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be there. We want you to join us to fight for environmental justice. Go to faithinplace.org. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMille. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Y'all been grinding so long, been trying to see for years. And I got nothing to show, just coming this road by here. And if there's a man upstairs, he can bring me rain. Yeah, there we go. More of the uh, PS22. And I'm looking for the guy. They're singing. Uh, here we are. It is. Uh, no, I had this here. 
See, just what I needed is is when I, I lose track of it on, on the computer. All right, I'll get back to that. I'll find it when I have a second to look at it. First of all, if you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. And now, after 31 years in business... Unfortunately, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. So now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off for in-ground trees. There's still a good supply of pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and the deciduous larches, bald cypresses, and dawn redwoods. I love dawn redwoods. Mm -hmm. I love bald cypresses. They're basically the same tree. One is alternate, one is opposite leaves, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they're not really the same tree. And but the bark's a little they different. They look, yeah, a little bit different. Many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, these are not your grandfather's mm-hmm. conifers. If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees. Go to richesfoxwillowpines.com for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e newsletter to get the latest as they go out of business in the next few months. Again, go to richesfoxwillowpines.com. Don't worry about an apostrophe. It's just richesfoxwillowpines.com. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We have Dan Gibbs, Chicago backyard farmer in studio. We have Holly and Joey Baird, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener on the phone. They're in separate secret locations that will not be divulged, uh, and then they go back to gardening tomorrow. So uh, where, where, where did we leave off here? What do we need to uh, cover? Let's talk about things that you guys have seen in your gardens that are interesting and that you think other folks should know about. Joey, let's start with you. Uh, we are very diligent. We do use we do not use mechanical tillers uh, in the spring. We go in with a garden fork and remove all the r- weeds and root structure that we possibly can find. Our our garden is set up in three foot wide by ten foot to twenty foot long uh, beds with one foot walk paths between them in ground, and we work very hard to remove all the roots and the weeds in the spring. And we have seen more weeds than ever before. Uh, in our garden, uh, choking out some of our vegetation that we're planting. So we are reevaluating uh, what we should do next year, as this has been uh, about the second of five years we've had this bad problem. Hmm. So we're hmm. looking at what the investment would be in order to bring in, uh, cr- create several raised beds and bring in good compost and strictly grow in the raised beds and maybe some straw bales and eliminate the ground garden since this is... Uh, repetitively become a problem each year. And, uh, Mike, you know what the definition of insanity is. Uh, <laughs> so we need to figure out what we need to do different because it's not changing each from year to year. We're consistently getting more and more weeds, and we're not tilling this, the soil with a, with a tiller, just removing the roots as we need to with a garden fork. All right, so that's when you, when you say you're... you're working the soil in the spring. You say it's not a tiller, it's not a rototiller. Because, uh, the, you know, I, I've i read enough places that say rototilling may actually be harming the soil structure, so you shouldn't do that. And there are people who, who rototill religiously, and they'll do it twice a year. They'll do it in the spring, and they'll do it again in the fall, and they'll go, well, oh, the soil's good, and, and it's loose, and the problem is 
maybe you don't want it that loose because there's biology in there. Folks, we're talking about the soil food web and everything that comes together. So if you guys are digging it by hand as need be, I'm saying, you're, I'm thinking, Holly and Joey, you're protecting that soil biology. The problem, as you've encountered it, is massive numbers of weeds. Um, so, right. let Dan, let's hand it over to you. What do you got to say about that and what do you do? You know, a, a couple different, you know, things to touch upon. You know, we, you know, many of your listeners may not know that weed seeds can stay in the ground for 50 years. So the weeds that and, you're... And still germinate. And still germinate. <laughs> like a tardigrade can it, be there forever and then end up on the moon and still come back to life. It's right? incredible. And uh, so the weeds that you're dealing with now aren't necessarily weeds that were put there recently, you know. So... The, you know, I was always a big fan of um, the Elliott Coleman method of weeding to where as soon as you get that first flush of weeds, you're doing a real light scrape of the surface when the weed, se- when the weed plants are really vulnerable. And if you don't disturb that soil surface after that time, a lot of times any secondary flushes of weeds that you may get are, are really pretty weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of one of the ways that, that I would deal with it. Um as far as your your comment on tilling is concerned, I I, I absolutely agree with you because in, it's a very simplistic statement. But um, the only difference to me between sand and soil is your organic matter. And every time you move that soil, you're oxidizing your own organic matter, and you're and you're you're wrecking your own soil structure. So, you know, a lot of people really need you know feel they need to till in their soil, but it would be nice if people just learn to do it as as rarely as possible you really you <laughs> certainly don't need to do it twice a season yeah i get that all right we just got a couple of minutes uh holly i'm gonna go to you one of the things you said when you guys came into our studio this spring was you're going to try to do something new uh this year what did you do new this year I don't think we did anything new this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> Not that I can think of, unless Joey can think of something. Joey? No, I we we've just tried to uh, do what we've always known and had uh, success with in the past. Uh, we haven't really tried anything new this year uh, in regards to a new plant, a new species, a new variety. Uh, we've just planted the garden as as normal. Um, try to to go back to the the standards in which we have found success with. Okay, and and we know that you're you're fighting weeds this year. Uh, but I I also want to go back to Dan because you mentioned something from uh, Chicago Community Gardeners Association that you wanted to get out information. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, CCGA is the Chicago Community Gardeners Association, and they they do a number of plant distributions every year. Um, you know, for their members, uh, they have a plant distribution coming up on August 24th. And, um, you know, one of the new things they've done over the past year is they've opened up their plant distributions to, uh, Chicago public school teachers so that if they're looking for plants for their classrooms or their schools, um, you know, just so the CPS teachers out there know that, you know, CCGA welcomes you and they, 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 you know, want you to have plants in your room if you would like that. But August 24th is the date of the next CCGA plant distribution. And you can take a, you can get more info on their website uh, for Chicago Community Gardeners Association. And they're a great 
partner in Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, which, uh, and thank you, Dan, by the way, uh, folks listening, uh, Peggy and I and a bunch of other groups started Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, and we are, we are in the middle of it. We are in the middle of judging a bunch of gardens right now. Uh, Dan's doing it, and I'm doing it. In fact, Peggy and I are meeting tomorrow to look at some gardens uh, and some of the judges' reports, and so... There you go. Uh, Joey and Holly Baird, thank you so much for being in uh, on the phone and on the show again. It's always a pleasure. Good luck with your new stations. I'm a little jealous, but I'll get over it. <laughs> go to thewisconsinvegetablegardener.com for more information. Dan, thank you so much. Go to Chicago Backyard Gardener on Facebook or chicagobackyardgardener.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm, it appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make yeah, me Yeah, all I need is good food to eat if... Uh, Lettuce, tomatoes. If the critters don't get to them, come on, you know. What we don't want to deal with is... Uh, if you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. I'm not saying don't put them outside, but if you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. Okay, that's yep. all we need to know. <laughs> or the chipmunks, or the are the RATs, RATSs. <laughs> <laughs> Now you were going to mention from hour one we were playing the chorus, right? And we're going to get you're going to get one more sample of PS twenty two in the second half of the show. Uh, this is this choir, kids choir from Staten Island, New York, and uh, the guy they were singing with. I finally <laughs> tracked it down. I should have had it here. Well, the problem is when we came in, I wasn't online. I couldn't get. I had to reboot the whole computer, and that erased everything I had about it. <sighs> so, all right, Andy Grammer. Uh, is his name, Andy Grammer, G-R-A-M-M-E-R. Andrew Charles Grammer is an American singer, songwriter, and record producer. Do we call him records anymore? He is signed to S-Curve Records, so I guess if they call it S-Curve Records, you have to call it a record. Mm -hmm. His debut album, Andy Grammer, was released in 2011 and spawned the hit singles Keep Your Head Up and Fine By Me. His second album, Magazines or Novels, was released in 2014 with Back Home as the first 
single. So we'll have uh, one more with Andy Grammer and PS22 Chorus uh, sometime in this hour. So stick there around for that. All right. We yeah, have- and we wanted to give a shout-out to all the great folks who were at the Thysmia Hunt last week. That and was fun. that live broadcast. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and the great thing about being in the studio today is when we leave, we're not going to have to wipe down all the cables <laughs> and all of our equipment to make sure there aren't ticks on them. <laughs> Uh, okay, Kathleen, Aww. I know you're listening, uh, so I got a story for you that I didn't tell you, so I'm telling it on the air now. Uh-oh. I got home, and uh, and I, I took the pants and, and the shirt and threw it in the uh, washing machine and the socks, uh-huh. especially. It's like, okay, throw that in there. Let's wash them. I went, okay, I got that taken care of. Actually, somebody said, did you take a shower? I said, no, I did a check. I didn't, didn't see anything. I, I didn't see anything. So I'm sitting there, I'm doing my work in the living room on Sunday, uh, and I, I'm about to pick up my phone. I look at my phone, there's a tick crawling on my phone. Uh-oh. On my phone. <laughs> and so I took the thing outside. I took it out the front porch. I went, okay, you you managed to get in here, but you're not leaving alive. You're, you're out of here. And I took it out front, and I start, and I went, you know, sm- <laughs> with my thumb, uh, like a piece of paper in my thumb. <laughs> And I pull the paper up, and the thing's still just going, wah, 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 wah. And I go, well, no, no, no. And I did no. it again. Wah, 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 wah. And I, again and again and again. <laughs> and the thing was still alive. And it's like, they're, they're indestructible. Robotic. Oh, I just couldn't believe it. And I finally, I did him in. And I said, okay, I hope that's the last one here. Oh, I think dear. it was. I haven't seen any since. So that was you. But it's it's amazing. They, they were were everywhere. Uh, but it was a great event. Though. It was a wonderful yes. event and great people. And I hope you go listen to the podcast uh, that I spent uh, 87 hours editing because uh, we had some dropout problems. Those of you listening uh, live heard it, and uh, I apologize for that. That was totally uh, operator error. That was my fault. And uh, But we, I think I got it fixed. Uh, we figured I, I, out what the problem was. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what else we got well, here? Well, wanted to give an update on the plover story, the piping plovers. Right, on, at Montrose Beach in Chicago on yeah. the lakefront. We've talked about that a couple of times. And I've been seeing on Facebook the last day or two from Chicago Ornithological Society and Chicago Audubon Society that two of the chicks have officially fledged. It's been 24 days. They've started Flying around a little bit at the beach. What you're saying, two of the two chicks. Two of the three chicks. Unfortunately, one of the chicks did not, did make, not it. make it. Okay. That's nature. That's life and death. It's how, how it happens. But two are fledging. Two, yeah. Wow, that's great. And the, the watch continues at Montrose Beach. They're still maintaining the close close watch. Uh, fantastic. All right. And one more thing that we need one to... More. You, you, you can handle yes. this. Um, is coming up on Thursday, August 15th, Advocates for Urban Agriculture, or AUA has their fifth annual... Also a great uh, partner yeah. with Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Definitely. They've got their fifth annual Grown in Chicago Soiree, um, which is... Soiree. 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 It is an evening of music, merriment, and a showcase of urban agriculture that helps support um, AUA and flourishing local food systems in Chicago. They are going to be at uh, Greenhouse Loft, 2545 West Diversity in the city from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., and you can go to their website, um, which is auachicago.org, mm-hmm. for additional information and to link over to Eventbrite and buy your tickets. One more thing I will say is uh, on the show today, we have the return of meteorologist Rick DeMaio, who's been, 
He's been gone three. It's going to be a Rick sighting. It's a Rick sighting. He's been gone three out of the last four weeks, and so we said we need bonus Rick today. So we're getting bonus Rick time. That is, if we can get him on the phone, we'll try. <laughs> we'll try. I know he's not listening, so I can. He's just a like, busy guy. I can totally bust him here because I know he's not listening right now, uh, and uh, we'll totally bust him. And but we'll have bonus Rick time because there's a lot going on in the climate and meteorological mm-hmm. world. Uh, and it's not, and we, yeah. we we don't even have any yeah. hurricanes. But when we come back, we're talking microbrews. Y- yeah, uh, talking beer, folks. Beer. Oh, I I used to have a beer song I could play. A I beer ding. Beer. We got a beer ding. All right. Uh, we'll talk about seven generations ahead and their big old microbrew review next Saturday. Stick around. The Mike Melbach Show with Peggy Malecki. Hey, Chicagoland. When you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, downtown Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. They also partner with great organizations like the Morton Arboretum. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. This is a Bill Turk song. <laughs> he may take that one from us. Let's go drink some beer. All right, there we go. That's if oh, that, dear. I can't find a more appropriate song. I can't believe I tracked that down so quickly. And I haven't seen Facebook block it yet, so here we go. Okay, yay! Did we get by Mark Zuckerberg? It gets okay. a beer ding. Because he's asleep. <laughs> You know, last week he, he overslept and forgot to turn on Facebook, and that's why we didn't have it at the beginning of the show. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Yeah, we're talking beer uh, on the Mike Novak Show, uh, and that's why we have Alan Shannon on the phone and Jen Nelson on the phone. They are both from seven generations ahead, and guess what? Next Saturday is the 12th annual Oak Park Micro Brew Review uh, out in, of course, Oak Park. Uh, so, welcome, Alan. Welcome, Jen. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's so, Alan. Good to have you back on the show. It's been a while. Uh, the last time you were with me is 
when I was at Progresso Radio down the dial. And it's been a while. Uh, it has been a while. Um, and I think about you all the time because I get your good greens uh, emails. And uh, so I, I, I keep in touch with you that way because you're always sending out information. You should know that Alan works for the USDA Food and Nutrition Service. And so uh, tell me a little bit. You're a public affairs director, but tell me a little bit about the work you do. You're, you're, you're a facilitator, aren't you? Exactly. So USDA has so many programs and 17 different agencies. So I try to connect communities to all those programs, primarily the food and nutrition service programs. There are 15. Of course, SNAP is the largest and school meals. We have a number of programs that uh, if you're not aware of them, it could be a little daunting. So I try to connect people and communities to those programs and make sure they're aware of the opportunities there. All right. And you're on the board of Seven Generations Ahead. And Jen Nelson is Senior Program Manager for Seven Generations Ahead. Um, and you work with uh, communities, municipalities. Uh, you work on food scrap issues and composting, soil, water issues. Tell me a little bit about that work, Jen. Thank you. Um, we do all sorts of sustainability work at Seven Generations Ahead, and a big part of what we do is very similar to Alan. It's connecting people, connecting good organizations and businesses, and helping them to do things in a more sustainable way. So a part of my work is helping to advance food scrap composting in Illinois, and that involves policy work. It involves supporting businesses and residents and municipalities in understanding why it's good to compost food scraps and how to do it in an affordable way. The microbrew is a great example of an event where we look at everything that's being used at the microbrew as in terms of it being a resource and trying to throw away mm-hmm. as little as possible. Yeah, I, I was looking at your website. Okay, uh, I, I'm going to bust you here a little bit, and I apologize for that, but um, I'm I'm a guy who's interested in zero-waste stuff, and Peggy uh, can attest to that, too, because we go to events all the time. I have uh, been involved in uh, uh, organizations that have put together events. Making an event zero-waste is one of the hardest things in the world. Mm-hmm. And as I wrote on my blog, and you can go to MikeNovak.net to see the blog post. As I wrote on the blog, I think it's because people go to an event and they think, oh, it's an event. I can, yeah, it's a one-time thing. I can take a break from sustainability for a couple of hours. The problem is if you got 10,000 people taking a break from sustainability for a couple mm-hmm. of hours, now you got a lot of mess. And the other thing I've noticed is that even in, in venues that are set up to do this, they get it wrong. People are confused. They don't know what goes where. Well, you and I, Peggy, okay, and I'll give a couple, you know, some of the events mm-hmm. that we go to, which are about uh, natural areas or uh, the Good Food Festival, you still have to have monitors there at the stations to tell people what to throw away. Why is it so hard? And, Alan, we'll start with you. Why is it so hard for people still in the 21st century to understand what can be uh, recycled, what can be composted, and what needs to be thrown away? Well, that's a question. So I'm a public affairs guy. So to me, it's always about education. People really aren't aware. But making sure that they are aware, which is something that uh, Generations Ahead is doing in communities, is providing that education, helping people to connect the dots. And I think, as you said so accurately, Mike, people go to a festival or an event and they kick back and they're not thinking about that. 
Um, to me, images are very strong, and we're always looking for ways when we plan this event and other ones of ways that we can educate better and make sure that people are aware. Because if people are aware and they know what the right choice is, they will do it, uh, I believe. And we do see that. And one of the ways that we're able to help educate people through this event, as, as you mentioned, we have a lot of volunteers, and we need a lot of volunteers to operate this event successfully. And those volunteers are standing at all the waste receptacles, explaining it. But if you stand there and watch, there are a fair number of people that are interested, they're engaged, they want to know, where do I put this? And um, there are a smaller number of people that don't that need that guidance. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Alan, your phone connection is not great. Uh, I'm going to talk to Jen for a second. Um, we're going to disconnect, and I want uh, uh, we're going to call you right back, okay, and see if we get a be- better connection. Um, sometimes it happens, you know. It's sometimes it's a cell, and and we'll we'll figure out what we can do, okay? Okay. All thanks. right. Thanks. So let's go to you, Jen. Um, uh, since you deal with these issues as well, what's your, what's your take on this? Uh, one of the things I've noticed, uh, and in something Alan just alluded to, is that you got to have people at these stations. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be better if the public knew uh, what they were supposed to throw where? When do we get to that point? And, 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 and where along that continuum is something like the Oak Park Microbrew Review? So those are two loaded questions. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what we do on, on this Sunday show. morning. That's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, one of the, like you think about cities like San Francisco that have had composting and recycling for decades and um, still staff sorting stations at events with volunteers to help with the sorting. Um, and that's a state where it's free to compost and it's free to recycle because they've built the cost structure so that you only pay for trash. So um, to say when we're going to be there is a little bit trickier. Um, I agree with you at events. People are coming to the Oak Park Microbrew Review, yes, to support Seven Generations Ahead, a fantastic nonprofit, but also to enjoy all the fabulous beer and to <laughs> listen to music and eat the food and hang mm-hmm. out with friends. So those volunteers end up at the sorting station helping people if they want help or just accepting their materials and sorting for them. But the two tricks that we use with events are, number one, we make sure that there are only garbage cans available in our resource sorting station. So we have five areas in the microbrew, and in those five areas under a tent, there's you've got a landfill container, a recycling container, and a composting container with pictures of what goes where with the actual items taped on the lid. It's all a way that we can help educate people that everything that you throw away, you need to be thinking about the right place to put it. Um, the other thing that we do with this event, and we recommend every time we teach other organizations to have their waste events, is that if you can control what you have at the festival, what's available for people, um, it's much easier. So for the microbrew review, all of the food vendors are supplied with compostable bowls and plates and we have um, we also try and have them limit the food servings to more of an appetizer or snack size so that people aren't throwing away food or composting food and that's a big part of helping get rid of one huge area of confusion in the United States 
we it's so hard to tell if what you're using is compostable or recyclable mm-hmm. or could be neither one and has to be thrown away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that that is it. That's the message. I mean, we're trying to get people to recycle. It's it's hard enough, get, you know, when you don't even throw organic waste into the equation, with the ex- exception of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard enough to get people to recycle cans, bottles, and paper because uh, they throw all kinds of other garbage. But it, once you start bringing in organic matter, like food scraps and, and uh, as you say, plates that have had food on them, you know, I, I look at the stuff, uh, paper plates and and I know I can't recycle them, but I go, that's all compostable, all of it. You know, it's it's we have to get to the point where we figure out that we can compost most of that. So we're not throwing it into landfills. So it looks like you guys uh, have about somewhere between 80 and 100 uh, percent uh, diversion uh, away from landfills at your event. So that's that's fantastic. Now, let's see if um, Alan is back. Alan, are you with us? I am back. Can you hear me? Oh, my gosh. That's a much better line. Yes. Thank you so much. So uh, we need to talk about the event real quick, and then we'll get uh, a little bit uh, into the the mission of uh, Seven Generations Ahead. Obviously, there's going to be beer. And if you go to the website, if you go to sevengenerationsahead.org, you can find uh, a list. of. You have so many people, so many breweries uh, involved in this. Wow. Uh, that's it's amazing. Yeah. The, the yeah. Variety so, Ed, so if Bill Turk is listening, any beer you've ever wanted is going <laughs> to be at this event. Uh, Bill, Bill does our show in the afternoon from one to three playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. And, uh, they, uh, they, they often have a brew when, when they're doing it. So he's a big well, fan. Bill does. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Some other people do too. Not me. Uh, so, uh, tell me about the, 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 uh, the number of breweries you have there uh, and and what you can expect from them and also the Iron Brewer competition, Alan. So the, there's such a great variety of microbrewers at this event. And then the Iron Brewer one is based off the Iron Chef competition. So they throw some ingredients the way of these brewers, the special competition, and they create a special brew. So there are some brews at this event that you'll only get at this event. And a lot of these breweries are only serving brews that you can get at their tap room. So it's a great opportunity to sample some uh, variety of beers, so many beers, it's actually impossible, and um, I haven't really tried because it could be dangerous <laughs> to try to sample them all. So you, you've got to be selective, but, you know, it's beautiful downtown Oak Park. You couldn't ask for a better setting. If you want to check out the Frank Lloyd Wright house before after, uh, the Hemingway Birthplace Museum. There's a lot of stuff there, and it's just beautiful to hang out there and try these beers. And there's some good food, too. And it's all for a good cause. You know, when you go to an event like this and you're having fun in summertime in Chicago, it's nice to be able to do that, enjoy yourself, and support a good cause at the same and time. there's some food pairings with beer as well as things people can get involved with, right? Yeah, well, we do have the VIP tent, mm-hmm. and um, that I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah. So if you want to get a VIP uh, ticket, we still have some of those available. I will be at those VIP venues, and we've got some restaurants and partners that are doing some special food to go along with those special brews. And again, uh, it's really not super expensive, and it all goes to support a fantastic and cause. A, so and a, you can eat some great 
Yeah, and I was just going to say that there's bands also, uh, Lakeside City, The In- Instinct, Karen Salmon, The Ointment Appointment, which is, that's, <laughs> my, that that's my new favorite band, uh, DJ Dan Bryce, Cardinal Harbor, Eden Archer, Lily Winwood, and Don Gallardo, Righteous Acoustic Sound Party, DC Millionaire, and Veltway All-Stars. So there you go. So you got food, you got beer, you got bands. What what? What else do you need in life, all right? Um, and it's from 2 to 7. The beer starts pouring at 3. So you can get in there and you can have some fun uh, before mm-hmm. we start serving beer. Now, we got a couple of... And, and you can buy your tickets online or at the gate. Well, uh, right. You can get them at the gate. It costs you 5 bucks more at the gate. Get them online. You can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got all the links there. Uh, real quick, Jen, tell us about some of the stuff you're doing with um, uh, 7 Generations Ahead. You've got... Uh, the Illinois Farm to School Network. You've got zero waste. You've got zero waste schools and food waste reduction and composting. You've got solar energy issues. Let's start with the Illinois Farm to School Network. What is that all about? The Illinois Farm to School Network is trying to connect kids eating in schools in their lunchroom with local fresh food. And it's, you know, one of the things that's a challenge for schools working on limited budgets is being able to get affordable access to, to fresh-from-the-farm food. And so we do work helping support schools and districts and kitchen managers and making those connections and being able to help them to find affordable food. Um, we have some really great programs just to introduce kids. We have a Harvest of a Month program where schools are encouraged to focus on one local produce and we have the Great Apple Crunch that happens in the fall, and you've got thousands of kids in Illinois all crunching into local and regional apples. And I think when, when kids get to, to try food that's fresh and from our region, um, it makes them much more likely to eat healthy food, to enjoy their school lunches. And uh, so that's part of what we do is we help to bring together schools and food suppliers and local farmers and make sure that have access to affordable local food yeah we have we have one minute left uh but you also i mentioned the zero waste schools and food waste reduction and composting i know that you're involved with the illinois food scrap um wait illinois what what is it jen uh, <laughs> illinois the Illinois Food Scrap Coalition. Coalition, yes. that was it. I couldn't remember that the Alliance last word. Coalition, yeah. yeah uh, but uh, I imagine what you're teaching in the schools is a lot of what you teach people at the micro brew review, which is it is absolutely yeah. <laughs> this goes here. This goes here. That goes there. And if you do it now, you'll remember it your whole life. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Alan Shannon. Alan, you got to get on the show again. We'll talk about USDA stuff at some point. Love to do that. Okay, and Jen okay, Nelson. All right, go to uh, sevengenerations.org and go to the brew review. We'll be right back. Did you know air pollution from road transportation costs about $1 trillion a year in healthcare? In the Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Yes, now is the time to consider buying an electric vehicle, also known as an EV. It's a great way to start to break our addiction to fossil fuels. Even with gas prices below $2.50 per gallon, you can save from $400 to $1,000 a year on fuel costs. The price of EVs has come down considerably, and there are generous federal and state tax incentives. Who 
who doesn't want to reduce health risks and greenhouse gases, save money, and drive a space-age cool car? I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. What happens when you bring together hundreds of people from diverse faiths and walks of life across Illinois and the Midwest with the goal of healing the earth? You get the Green Team Summit, which celebrates the 20th anniversary of Faith in Place. This important gathering happens on Saturday, September 14th at the Field Museum in Chicago. And the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki will be there. We want you to join us to fight for environmental justice. Go to faithinplace.org. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. those kids i love those kids they just and they're they sound like angels you know it's <laughs> it's just amazing and that's uh ps 22 in staten island and uh, andy grammar that's another one of the songs they did with andy grammar we've got uh, meteorologist rick DeMaio in just a second however if you love to landscape with trees and you haven't been to Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock, you've missed out on their collection of unique conifers and rare deciduous trees. And now, after 31 years in business, they're closing their doors at the end of 2019. We're talking about Rich and Susie. And if you've never met Rich and Susie, see, that's why a reason you got to go out there is just mm-hmm. to meet them because they're a trip. Okay. The, <laughs> it's an experiential it, visit. It, it really is. Uh, so now is the time to take advantage of 40% off for container trees and 30% off in-ground trees. But we're not talking about any trees here. Mm-mm. They've got pines, spruces, firs, hemlocks, junipers, yews, and deciduous larches, bald cypresses, dawn redwoods. The trick is many of the cultivars are dwarf in form or have unusual shapes. Sometimes they refer to them as Dr. Seuss shapes, such as weeping, mounding, columnar, or angular. Like I said, these are not your grandfather's conifers. (laughs) If you've been to the Shedd Aquarium, the Lincoln Park Conservatory, or the Chicago Botanic Garden, you've seen some of these fantastic trees because Rich donated a lot of these to these various organizations. Go to richesfoxwillowpines.com. And the other thing you need to know, they con- they have contributed for years to all kinds of uh, groups like Heifer International, Mano Amano. Mano Amano is now their, their current, uh, uh, I guess you could call charity. They have built hospitals in Bolivia. They're doing some work in Africa right now. A lot of this money is going to go there. So this is another reason to go up 
to Fo- Rich's Fox Willow Pines in Woodstock. Uh, go to richesfoxwillowpines.com for more information. Follow them on Facebook and sign up for the e-newsletter to get the latest news. Again, richesfoxwillowpines.com. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And like I said, today is bonus DeMaio Day. Rick DeMaio, how are you? I'm doing fine, Mike. Uh, good morning, Peg. You're right. Uh, the, the the Fox Willow, um, Rich's Fox Willow, what do you call it? Fox Willow Pines? Right, that, right. Rich's yeah. Fox Willow Pines. It, it, it's like the Chicago Botanic Garden in the Morton Arboretum, kind of wrapped in the one, a smaller version, west, isn't it? That's out in McHenry County, yeah. Yeah, they're in McHenry, and uh, they're, uh, I could give you the address, but I figure, folks, it's, just, it's easier for them to just go to the uh, website. Yeah, and they're, and they're, like you said, they're a trip as well, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are. You know, you, you could get rich talking, and then you just you know pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee. Why and, not? And, Why not? And he'll go on for a while. Good way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, Absolutely. Susie is actually one of the funniest people on the planet if you just turn her loose as well. <laughs> so they're, they're quite a pair. Yeah, they really are. Um, hey, you guys, you guys uh, ready for some heavy rain coming at us? Really? Are we talking heavy rain? Because uh, that's not what I heard on some other forecasts, but uh, this is what you're saying. So tell us about that. Yeah, this is stuff that's going to be coming back at us in, in, in waves. It's going to be um, late tonight. It's going to be midday tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow night and possibly into um, uh, Tuesday as well. So as I as I mentioned yesterday, I, I think we're in for some uh, some of the heaviest rain we've seen around here in probably maybe three and a half, uh, almost four weeks. It still looks like the bulk of it could end up being more so to the south of us, but this is definitely going to be... Uh, one of those events where by the time we finish up with Tuesday afternoon, we'll be like, I think we needed that, and uh, yeah. somewhere between two and a half and as much wow. as three inches. So it's not going to it's not going to come down today, but it's definitely going to add up over the next three days. And looking at the way the lawns are, you know, getting kind of yellowish and brown, and some of the plants, if you're not putting water in them, uh, we can actually use the rain. And who would have thought that after the incredible rain we had in April, May, and June, right? Well, right. that's that's the way it goes, yeah. and um, I'm telling you, I'm looking at uh, some of these other forecasts. You you seem to be out on a limb here. <laughs> yeah, there was some light sprinkles this morning up north, but I saw there was heavier on the radar south this but, morning. But uh, no, but I'm looking at a yeah. forecast. Well, but I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about between now and Tuesday afternoon. No, I, a, I, I know. And and that's what I'm looking at too. And that's yeah, I'm looking at that too. And and what I'm seeing is scattered thunderstorms on i'm seeing isolated and scattered tomorrow and you're the and you're okay. the and you're the guy saying you think we're going to get some real rain and and he's been pretty yeah, right yeah. you've been uh yeah, yeah. I, I i i think usually between now and Tuesday afternoon um some areas particularly along and south of interstate 80 uh as much as two and a half to three inches and north of that between here and the wisconsin state line uh about two to two and a half mm-hmm. inches so uh, it's not that hard this time of the year with this type of an air mass that's been baking to the south and southwest of us. Um, you know, oftentimes you're sitting in a nice, cool air mass, and you go, really? We're going to get heavy rain, but that's not where the rain's coming from. The storms are going to be developing out across eastern Nebraska, southern areas of Iowa, and then basically moving over the top of this incredibly hot air mass that has now been in place for 
um, almost two, maybe even two and a half weeks. So we've kind of lucked out that we've been north of this dome pretty much since about the end of June. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have not had anything in a way of any excessive heat for a long period of time, other than those two days of high heat that we had uh, back in, what was it, the middle of July. But you look at temperatures across areas of Oklahoma and areas of Texas, um, even into par- parts of Arizona where uh, yesterday Phoenix had a dew point, get this, of 67. So the monsoon wow. is completely, yeah, oh, yeah. The monsoon has taken over across parts of southern areas of New Mexico uh, wow. and also into Arizona. It's amazing because Tucson yesterday, uh, off and on showers and thunderstorms had a high of only 84. Hmm. Um, and you'll get that this time of the year. So I always like the way when we transition out of um, your normal, out of your, your springtime thunderstorms and into your typical summer weather patterns, you get into these large domes of heat. Um, yesterday, the southwest coast of Florida um, pretty much had temperatures in the upper 80s, 87 in Fort Myers, 88 down in Punta Gorda, which they're, um, they're basically looking at the 15-year anniversary, not looking, but experiencing the 15-year anniversary of what was the most powerful hurricane that hit the United States since Andrew back in 1992, Charlie, um, was a Category 4, and it struck on August the 13th, uh, 2004. Hmm. But those areas of the southeast, Atlanta, 96, Charleston, 98, Wilmington, North Carolina, 98. But you look at South Florida, and they had these easterly winds, which is very common when you get into the latter half of, of August as you get into, quote, the tropical storm season uh, with temperatures only in the lower 90s. By the way, it was interesting. I was looking at... Um, a meteorologist who posts some really, really great blogs um, about the tides in Miami, and they had some of the most highest tides ever outside of the tropical storm season that they've had in the last five days. And this guy has data that goes all the way back to the mid-'80s. Because when you get into the tropical storm season, you tend to get these onshore flows of what they call the king tide season, where even during a low tide event, you're generally about a foot to a foot and a half above normal. And last week, Miami was having tides anywhere between about two and a half and three feet above. We called them the sunny day tides. And that's obviously due to um, the influx of salt water coming in underneath their sewers and obviously related to or at least contributed to um, sea level rise. Right, and and that's, uh, I want to get to some of the articles that you sent, uh, and I told folks on my blog that there was going to be a quiz at the end of the hour, because I know <laughs> you're getting, you're gearing up to uh, to to start teaching again next week, um, yeah. which is amazing, you it's know. I keep, scary. Yeah, I know, here we go, It's uh, we start again. And, and I got to mention, before I get to the articles here, you're writing a book. Yeah. What's the book? Yeah, you don't have to say that. <laughs> I want to. Uh, you, you had some chapters done already, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm already on Chapter 11. I've finished Chapter 10. Uh, it's all online. It's called um, Aviation Meteorology, but it's also going to be used for um, an introductory meteorology class as well. Um, and it's a labor of love. I mean, when you write a book, you really get into, quote, the weeds on things. You really begin to pull out things that... You know, all of a sudden you go, wow, you know, I don't think I've really understood it this way. So I think when we get into 
Um, and I don't really think I'm, I'm writing, quote, a textbook. I'm repurposing a lot of information. I, I think I have to say that because a lot of the stuff that I'm using is stuff that's already out there, but I'm actually repackaging it for use for students that could use it in a much more, um, I think, technologically um, easier way. And right now, that, that, type of, that type of format is not available. So uh, the first part of the book, the first, uh, I should say, half of the book should be done by the end of the summer. Uh, that's going to be in about three weeks. And then I'll start writing the second part, and hopefully that'll be completed uh, by about December. And the uh, published date is hopefully for uh, fall of 2020. So basically about a year from now. Fantastic. Can, can we book him as a show guest? Yeah. I think so. We bring you in the studio and you get to go on the book tour <laughs> and, and, and come and, and hawk your book here on our show. Uh, that's one. Well, it, it's not something that it's not something that people could buy. It's something for students to use. I know. So. I know. We're, 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 we're hassling you. We'll, we'll, give, we'll give them away to students, okay? Just so they have them for your courses. Uh, we got like a minute. We got a minute before the break. Uh, a couple of sure. you. You mentioned the sea level rise uh, in the, yeah. the tides in Florida, and of course, uh, right. at the same time, we're witnessing record uh, melts. In Greenland, oh my God, yeah, and Iceland, and Iceland, yeah. and Iceland is lo- you went to Iceland yeah. a couple of years ago, and Iceland is losing yeah. its its glaciers. Yeah, yeah, and I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, real quickly, one of the things that I think is the best way to really understand how climate has changed and has warmed is you really have to look at glaciers not only in Greenland and Iceland, but all around the world in both the northern and the southern hemisphere, and that's probably the best way of really looking at how things have warmed up. All right. Well, we'll we'll continue that discussion. It's bonus Rick DeMaio segment today on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. When we come back, I want to talk about this amazing story you sent to me about the USDA report that's coming out. Wow. All right. We'll oh, be God, right yeah. Rick DeMaio, we'll be right back. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. This is Mark Dvorak, and you're getting environmentalism, gardening, green living, local food information, and sometimes even humor, sometimes musical humor, on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 a.m. on WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. 
Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Now, this is one of those things that I heard throughout my youth, and you too, Peggy, I'll bet, right? No? I don't think so. No? What is it? It's called Bugler's Holiday. And I was going to play it last week, but it didn't have room to fit it in, so I saved it. And I said, I used to hear this all the time when I was growing up. I mean, not all the time. It wasn't on the top 40 or anything, but it's just kind of a cool... It's (laughs) like uh, we played... uh, Well, anyway. uh, It's, it's, It's the background music of your childhood. Somehow. Yeah. All right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You might not know that City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, also offers landscaping services. Here's their promise. They won't recommend anything that won't succeed in your space long term. They won't abandon you once the project is over. And they'll give you an environment you can feel proud of. Stop by 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa to learn more. And if you do it on the weekend, there's free valet parking. That's today. Yay. Go to citygrange.com. City Grange, learn, shop, blossom. Nice to have people who will do the landscaping and do it right. So, And now... And believe, not abandon you. And not abandon you. And fall is the best time to do that kind of work because it sets you up for the spring. Yeah, Just letting you know. Lawn season, too. Uh, lawn season. We're going to have to do something on lawns coming up uh, at the beginning of September, uh, end of August. Uh, that That's lawn care. So if you want to work on your lawn, we'll be talking about that in the next few weeks. Uh, welcome back to the show. Rick DeMaio, meteorologist, is on board with us here. We talked a second ago about about glaciers melting, and uh, one, we were talking uh, over the break, Rick, about you said, you know, if, 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 if sea level gets raised an inch, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, you know, one inch easily, you push one inch in, and then the water doesn't come back out. In other words, you got like, like an onshore flow. And then you'll get, like, another inch on top of that. Now you have two, and then you haven't pushed it out. And then you have onshore flow, which you generally tend to get this time of the year on the east coast of Florida. And onshore flow just means, basically means that the big subtropical high that sits over the Bahamas and Bermuda just keeps blowing easterly winds on the bottom side. And now you bring in a hurricane or two, and I just sent you guys this mm-hmm. email because it was interesting yeah. that I found – this particular person um, blogging down when I was I was just down in, in Southwest Florida this past week, and his information just got picked up by the Washington Post, and it's a really great graphic because if there's one way to really see how climate change has become an issue for people living along the coast, um, you look at where the water is moving mm. from a standpoint of a high tide not so much during a hurricane, but during the off time when there's no hurricane. And when you start to get these two and a half and 2.75 foot rises above what you normally get, you begin to go, okay, now what would happen if there was a new moon or a full moon? And those people who live near an ocean knows what those kind of tides are. And they have a hurricane on top of it. And again, this is what happened with Irma back in 2017 
and this is what happened with Sandy back in 2012, is you had all three of these factors come in at the same time. And when I was down in, in uh, the Punta Borda, Minnesota Key area this past week, it's amazing. You drive along the coast, and every single home that's built within probably 150 to 200 feet of the ocean, they're all on concrete stilts. In other words, they're raised up. Why are they raised up? Because they've had hurricanes in the past. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to fool around with this stuff. The problem, though, is when you start to get into these areas in, like, southeast Florida where you have so much building right along not only Miami Beach, uh, not only Miami, but Miami Beach, which is basically the key there, um, now you get into not only widespread damage, but also the cost. So it, it's all about adaptation, mitigation, and understanding vulnerability and understanding risk. And it's not like we're trying to be bad people here by telling people what you've done in the past is wrong. We're just trying to tell people that you have to prepare for a future that's slightly different than what you've been preparing for for the last 15 to 20 years. And I still don't understand why the science is really, really difficult for people to understand. It's actually fairly simple, but yet there's this mental block that we're trying to take their country away from them the way they wanted it to be when they got to this point in time. And it's really interesting. If you ask someone who's 65 or 75 years old in Florida, they'll say, yeah, there's a problem, but I'm not to blame for it, and I'm not going to do anything about it. But if you ask them if they are concerned about the problem being a concern for their kids and their kids' kids, right away they go, yeah, we need to do something about it. Yeah. So it really is quite quite ironic. <laughs> it really is. All right, let's get to something you sent that just yeah. it just blew me away. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, it is uh, something. Uh, it's uh, from the AgWeb. And uh, the headline is All Eyes on the August 12th USDA Reports, which is tomorrow. Uh, the, count, right. <laughs> the, the countdown is on Monday. On Monday, August 12th, USDA will real, uh, release its monthly crop production and world agricultural supply and demand estimates, the WASDE. Uh, this year's August reports will include more information than ever before, including the resurvey Announced in June, satellite data and, for the first time ever, FSA acreage certification information. This report, here's where it gets interesting. This report has the potential to be a market mover uh, and hold several surprises, market analysts say. There's no question that the upcoming reports are critical as they should technically set the baseline for production that should have been set six weeks ago and as such holds the potential to generate quite a bit of excitement either higher or lower next week, says Dan Huber, general manager of the Huber Report. Here's, here's the money sentence. Huber has, yeah. one, <laughs> Huber has one big prediction for Monday. We will experience 30 seconds to a minute of market ins yep. insanity when the figures yep. are released. <laughs> Holy smoke. What does he mean by that? What do you think, Rick? Well, 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 um, and Peg sent me this information because AccuWeather did a study of their own, which is good. It's good to have you know someone out there who's not part of the government do, a, uh, do an analysis that is basically a, from a private sector uh, and said that the U.S. government, USDA, um, under counted the acreage that was either in poor shape or was not at all. And I even talked to a couple of friends of mine who are really close to me 
that even said that the, the report in July was just complete BS. Hmm. And he said, wait till the report in August. Then you're going to see something. And I'm, and I'm not too sure why they did this. And I, and I really don't understand it. But I, I don't know whether or not it was trying to get people to not plant. And I think the government may have had something up their sleeve saying that we don't have enough money to actually reimburse the people who do plant. Um, it, it, it is kind of, it is kind of um, confusing from that standpoint. But the bottom line is the, uh, the area that has been hit by the heat, uh, particularly out across western Iowa and into Kansas and Nebraska, they're the ones that I think are going to be really impacted uh, due to the fact that they had first wetness and now heat. So mm-hmm. I think what you're going to see is a number much, much higher uh, than what was out in, Ju- in July and probably the worst crop since 2012, and maybe even wow. worse than that. Wow. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. That's all we can say about that is... I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Okay, this is what we're going to have to do. All right, <laughs> we, we need a quick forecast here, Rick. Give us 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So we got, to, we got through glaciers, we got through sea level rise, uh, and we'll get through the crop report, but... Um, as I mentioned before, rain tonight, rain tomorrow, rain Tuesday. By this time, Tuesday afternoon, or by by Tuesday afternoon, anywhere between two and a half and three inches. And then cooler weather for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday before heat returns. Saturday and Sunday, just in time for the H2O show. All right. Thanks, Rick. It's so good to have you back. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, guys. Bye. Thanks, Rick. All right. Thanks to everybody on the show. Dan Gibbs, Joey and Holly Baird. Uh, Alan Shannon, Jen Nelson, and until next time, go green or go home. It's over. Come on, jerk. Seriously? I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.